welcome to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast with me, your host, Emily Rose, where we take a subversive look at all the celebrity gossip you want and some you never knew you needed. We'll take a deep dive into the hidden meanings of what's really going on in the world of pop culture, because here we contain multitudes and read between the lines. Join me. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast. I'm your host, Emily Rose, and what I'm here to sit down uh, and ask all of you is, how are you? How's everyone doing, my babies? I I know I always say that I wish that you could answer back in real time because I genuinely would like to know, but I mean, I guess you can always like, you could DM me, you can comment. I mean, I'm here. I I really like to check in. I'll tell you how I'm doing. I... (laughs) I'm navigating commenting on the world when the world seems kind of grim, kind of tense, but something that brought me a lot of comfort this week was something that popped up on my feed on Instagram. And that was seeing Hilaria Baldwin pregnant, doing a pregnancy, I want to say like um, these high heeled glam pregnancy workouts. It seems to be par for the course. Every pregnancy that she's done involves some sort of workout video. I don't, it's not even really, I don't know if it's instructional or if you're supposed to do it along with her. It often involves some form of like leather clothing, leather pants, high heeled stilettos, uh, a fancy dress. And the workout is kind of like uh, pulsing. (laughs) It's a lot of, it's a little bit of writhing. I, (laughs) I guess it's there. Uh, she's allowed to document it, but I'm not kidding when I said that it brought me some comfort (laughs) to think that like things change. It feels like so much changes in the world, so much changes like in our own lives, but it feels like this constant that Hilaria Baldwin will be out there uh, like a, a tale as old as time. Hilaria Baldwin at any given time is, uh, about to welcome another Baldwinito on the way and is doing her workouts with us. For anyone who's unfamiliar with Hilaria Baldwin, she's Alec Baldwin's wife. She was caught basically impersonating being a person from Spain for about 20 years without anyone really catching on. Then people caught on, I guess it was about a year or two ago, and she doubled down on it. She was like, no, you know what? I may be Hillary from Boston, but really in my soul, I'm Hilaria from Spain. And I- it's kind of it's a little Rachel Dolezal like and I mean like Rachel Dolezal she doubly committed she said look there's evidence that you have here that what I'm saying is not true but what I believe is that what I'm saying is true and so that's her thing along with having these kids this is her seventh kid and I don't know something about the fact that I just feel like until I no longer see any new Balduinitos, I'll just take comfort in the fact that this seems to be one of one of the only constants that I have in my life at the moment. So thanks, Hilaria. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for letting me know that things change and things stay the same. <laughs> so I'm going to get into today's episode very shortly, but for this week's Patreon, it's all about housewives doing crimes. I did it with Sammy P. And it's funny because one of the first things we got to right off the bat was her passion for pranks and my, I'm like the fun police. I can't handle pranks. I don't like or believe in them. And she just loves them. It's funny because I just did a whole deep dive on last week's Patreon with Laura Danger about the most absurd 
and highly unethical prank shows, reality shows of all time. We're on the page of the no pranks uh, side of the world. For the people who love them, you'll get your redemption this Wednesday hearing Sam roasting me for not being able to handle the that side of fun, that way of people having fun. But we mainly get into the sketchy things that housewives are up to legally, allegedly. We get into some controversial takes on Dorit's robbery and of course, Jen Shaw, the Jen Shaw of it all, aka the Jen Shaw whose tagline of last season of Salt Lake City was the only thing I'm guilty of is being Shaw amazing. So we get into the ways that we all know that is not true. We get into Erica Jane, all that. So that's at patreon.com slash it's become a whole thing. So that's a way to support the pod, but the other way is just listening. So you've checked off that box just by hearing the sound of my voice at this very moment. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast, download this episode, and give a, give me a little rating. Give me a little five-star review. If you have less than a five-star review, if you have some critical feedback, what is it, constructive feedback, just, just DM me on Instagram. I, I'm open to hearing it. My guest today is Tori from the Ready to Be Petty podcast, and we did a whole deep dive on Mary-Kate Nashley. It is the prolific Mary-Kate Nashley episode. I took on research for the first half of their lives, and she took on the research for the second half so far. So I took on their childhood. She took on their adult life. We both, there's a lot of overlap between the two, and uh, there's very few people that, that are as young as they are and have fit that much into their careers and their controversies and their dating life and all that. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Okay. And we're back with the wickedly talented Tori from Ready to be Petty. (laughs) Oh my God. I am so glad that's the way that I got introduced. (laughs) So funny. I just had to hold back from finishing it with Adele Dazeeb. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's a callback from many episodes ago. Yeah. So I hope everyone got it. <laughs> well, and slash like how I want to introduce everyone. For anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, we it's can- <laughs> it's John Travolta uh, introducing Adina Menzel as yeah. the wickedly talented Adele Dazeeb. And yeah. <laughs> it lives in my mind. I think about it uh, weekly and... <laughs> Same. <laughs> but... Yeah, you're the wickedly talented Tori of Ready to be Petty. Um, It's great to have you back on the pod. I don't know how many times we've recorded together. A handful now in my short podcasting career. Lucky me. Lucky me. (laughs) And you just launched merch, correct? Correct. Oh my gosh, yes. I've had like a, a Starbucks cup that I did like some small batches of that say ready to be petty but I found a small creator in California that makes these and these keychain that say ready to be petty so you can you know always have a reminder that you're probably a better driver than I am (laughs) and then you can sip your Starbucks cup and let everybody else know that you're a petty a petty bitch yeah yeah because why take the high road when you can just get ready and stay ready uh, to be petty, yes. you know? <laughs> Truly. But yeah, I, I kind of mentioned this to you just before recording, but I had an elaborate plan. I ordered a cup 
it has arrived. I can't get mail to my house because I live on a busy street. It was at my dad's house and I, I ran out of time to go get it, but I was just going to like covertly like get it out while you're talking, start slurping and be like, oh, that me and my Tumblr, me and my ready to be petty Tumblr. So iconic and sad that that didn't happen, but thanks so much for your constant support of my podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, I mean, the pleasure's all mine. I, I kind of <laughs> feel like I need to anoint my Tumblr um, with the first beverage being like the Bieber brew. That feels like it would be on yes. brand. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Mine is constantly filled with iced coffee and... Which is why I have constant dehydration headaches. Yeah. But so <laughs> filled with water today, but um yeah, consistently iced coffee. It's it's the perfect size. It's at the twenty four ounce one, so and iced because I prefer iced to hot coffee. It's it's what every basic basic bee needs this summer. Yes. Yes, and we love basicness around here, at least. We do. I sure I sure as heck do. <laughs> it's fucking fun. Everyone, like, I don't know. It's fun to be a basic bitch. Like, I don't. It literally means you're comfortable and enjoying uh, popular. Yes. Uh, instantly digestible culture, like, and music and, yes. and, and et cetera. So, uh, yeah, get into it. We embrace it. Yes. Yeah. Who are we trying? What are we trying to prove out here? the world's on fire just wear your slippers and have your starbucks and yes so we're gonna chat all about mary kate and ashley today and i'm so excited so you were the person who chose this topic and i just wanted to (laughs) well no i'm happy what what has been a really great joy for me lately is just asking guests that are about to come on like what you want to talk about leaving it open to anything I'm down and you're so thorough in your research. I was learning things just reading the outline that you put together. So (laughs) (laughs) I just, yeah, this is my first time actually on a podcast that I get to talk about Mary Kate and Ashley in depth. So I'm so excited. I think that they were just such a cultural phenomenon uh, growing up uh, because they're, they're a few years older than me so they were almost like a role model they were definitely a role model for me their movies especially the ones when they're in their teens and they're traveling to like passport to paris winning london that is cinema like they are so fun and the outfits are good and the boys are cute and it's it's just what you wanted your life to be when you like went on vacation yeah yeah and what i was thinking about when I was putting together notes and research for this episode is that they've really defined multiple eras. Like they've set the tone and created a whole movement in a few different ways throughout their career from this like Y2K kind of aesthetic to then the uh, bag lady kind of look. I don't know. We'll We'll discuss that. I saw it written a lot online, like homeless chic, obviously awful name. Yeah, even bag lady. I was like, is this politically incorrect? Everything feels wrong, but. It feels wrong because I think it is, but it evokes a certain image that they really defined in like the late later 2000. Looking messy in a $4,000 outfit or whatever. Yes. $10,000, you know, whatever. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But 
we'll get into that. So we're going to go through their life and we're going to work from basically for birth because that's when they started working (laughs) like I'm surprised they didn't find a way to get them to start working when they were like in the womb um but basically from birth to now and all the different triumphs and controversies after looking into their lives I feel like they are the people that if I could give like someone a full interrogation like just know what they know they're the ones yeah honestly what happened with Heath Ledger like what what was you know what were all these different sets like uh, anyway I'm getting I'm getting ahead of myself but before we begin I want to ask you a really important question one that I feel like is on everyone's mind are you a Mary Kate or are you an Ashley yeah so many people have been asking me um no I (laughs) no one's been asking me um I'll just say okay so I consume their content um I'm sure I probably purchased their merch at some point as a kid but I also was a very sensitive kid no surprise there um and when when I was about, I don't know, nine or 10, I think someone told me it was like either they met Mary Kate and Ashley or a friend of a friend did. They saw them out in public and they said they were really rude to them. And they were like, don't talk to me. Like, <laughs> well, okay, oh quote God. unquote rude. They're just exhausted and have never gotten yeah, a break yeah. and are like zoo <laughs> like animals. Queens, <laughs> queens of setting boundaries. But yeah. like, we're like, how dare yeah, you? Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, but in like... <laughs> But in my nine-year-old brain, I didn't understand at that point that celebrities were their own people, that what what yeah. fame did and what being a child star did. So I didn't really see myself in their image. <laughs> but I would say like Ashley, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely an Ashley that wants to be a Mary-Kate. Oh, tell me why. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, you, you're like, obviously. I'm like, what? <laughs> obviously, clearly. I just feel like Mary-Kate is the one that I think that, okay, both of them definitely have a certain air of just coolness. Yeah. And sophistication and confidence that I don't think I'll ever have. Like, they're just so articulate and... God, I'm just like singing their praises. I hope you, I hope you two but, are listening. No, but I'm also, but I'm like, no, but I, I'm, I'm with you on this. And like, for me, so I see them as these like powerhouses. Maybe, I mean... What I don't think I fully understand in my soul is like, what's the difference between Mary <laughs> Kate and Ashley? <laughs> I think like for me, Ashley, and I think she also played a lot of this in the movies, but she was like usually in the movies, like the more girly organized type A and Mary Kate was like the free spirit, maybe tomboy type version. And I felt like because Mary Kate just seemed to have again this coolness like she just emanated cool that is something that I that it's like you can't work towards that it's like you have it or you don't and I felt like she really had it so yeah okay okay that's no but that like that this is important it's really important to set the tone because they're their own people and they're people with long complicated lives so yeah that yeah that kind of (laughs) that sets the stage I want to start with their lives slash career because really their lives and their career is one is completely it's always been one so they were born in 1986 and then by 1987 they were cast on full house 
So they worked from the time they were about different reports, say six months, nine months old, a little baby, less than one year old um, for the next eight years on full house. So wild. Um, Now there are different reports about why they were cast. And I've heard rumors that make a lot of sense to me that they were cast as twins because of child labor laws. Um, They were only allowed to work when they were infants uh, 20 minutes at a time. So when it was two of them, they could work for 40 minutes because they would switch them out. And so (laughs) way to feel like a puppet and expendable, you know, like you would just literally, you would feel gross thinking about that and having your twinness uh, exploited from the get-go. So yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's very also, um, cool and Dylan Sprouse vibes, but mm-hmm. I wonder what that does do on your like psyche of like basically where it's like, Hey, we're interchangeable and we're playing the same person, even though we're two distinct people, etc. And I know obviously they were really young at this time, but also there was some like formative childhood years that they were still playing the same person yeah yeah I think I've known twins throughout my life and there's a lot of uh there's there's some baggage that can come with it especially when you're an identical twin of like just kind of getting lost in your identity and what your identity is with this other person who looks just like you and if you're used interchangeably in this way during those most formative years oof that's uh (laughs) That's a lot. That's going to mess you up really bad uh, from the start. Not to mention like what was happening. Like we don't, we're not, not really going to know what's what happened on set or if there was any kind of uh, further, I want to say malpractice or mistreatment or or anything of, of kids. I know a lot of child stars have come out and talked about problematic things that have happened, but overall they've been super quiet. They've almost said nothing about their experience yeah 100 percent. yeah and I don't think that there was um rumors floating around about that but you're totally right I think children in any work setting there's the opportunity for them to be mistreated or taken advantage of and their parents are often don't want to stereotype all their parents but their parents are often ones that are kind of pushing them into this um, especially when they're they're so young, like they were doing it before they could talk. So yeah, there's definitely room for those things to happen. Yeah, I'm at the point now where I don't trust any showbiz parents. Almost any. There there are exceptions, like doing you know a baby food commercial when your kid is you know a few months old. And yeah. It's like a two day shoot, whatever. But who sends in photos of your kids? Who takes baby headshots for a show that they're going to be on? Yeah, 100%. it's like, yeah, it, it's so questionable. Were, were you a Full House fan? No, I was born in 92, so I missed. We get it, Tori, you're so young. I'm so young. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I missed kind of the heyday of Full House. And then when Fuller House came back, I was like, this seems kind of sad, to be honest. Like, <laughs> like I'm kind of embarrassed for the cast. So I I didn't get into it. But, like, I know all of the... Because it's so everywhere in pop culture. Like, I know that you got it, dude. And, like, some of the catchphrases and, like, the characters and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
I was born in 88, but I was totally <laughs> distracted by Oprah. I was an Oprah girl. I watched it like every day after school. And so, same. So, but, same. but even then, I, I get clips and I, I would see episodes here and there. Um, I, I think everyone has, no matter <laughs> who you are. Yeah. It's kind of like friends, even if you haven't seen the whole series, like you just it infiltrates your brain like you just see it everywhere yeah kind of by osmosis like I wasn't really I didn't really watch friends but I know all the main parts of like the different characters and their little taglines and whatever I've I've just never really been into comedies I think ever since I was young any type of laugh track I just found so obnoxious so same I never yeah I'm on the same boat I'm not like a 22 minute comedy gal yeah at all I'm They're just kind of cheesy you and I unscripted tv is, yeah, yeah. is where we're at like, <laughs> yeah I was watching like Maury and <laughs> yeah, Oprah. yeah yeah for better or for worse um <laughs> so with Full House um John Stamos actually admitted to trying to get them fired at one point for he said crying all the time <laughs> like like what child is not fucking crying all the time? That was so annoying. Well, he's just probably some fuckboy, like, pampered yeah. actor who's like, oh, get this noise offset. Like, you know, just <laughs> trying to get them fired. And they actually, at one point, they tried to replace them with different twins and there was, like, a revolt. And so they quickly put them back in. And there was this little moment, this tiny little moment from interview. It's a very small moment in time, but basically they were talking about how at 10, they got addicted to coffee because their mom would take them for coffee on the weekend. And it's kind of inoffensive if you just heard that from your average person, but from them, it was like one more red flag for their parents. 100%. It was reminded me a lot of Honey Boo Boo and the go-go juice <laughs> days of toddlers and tiaras with mama june yeah like it just we shouldn't be giving our kids like stimulants <laughs> like that like yeah don't give your kid coffee yeah <laughs> yeah any and 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 let's say there was some parent out there some non-showbiz parent who is giving their kid coffee i mean uh I, I don't know why you would, because then you would have to pay the consequences of an even more uh, wild bouncing off the walls child. But when that could just be like some kind of like slightly quirky, slightly messed up thing a parent does. But then when you combine it with someone who's like basically like gun to their head, like get back on set, you little five-year-old or 10-year-old, like then it, it, it feels sinister. 100% because like I remember my mom's favorite like dessert is like chocolate covered coffee beans so as a kid as a young kid like if she had them around the house like I might have one or two or like you know like an iced cap from Tim Hortons probably doesn't even contain caffeine but <laughs> you're right like as a kid like I probably consumed some of those things but you're right like for how much they worked for being in showbiz it's a red flag. Yeah. It's like with you. It's like, I wouldn't be suspicious of your mom if you told me that she gave you some like chocolate covered coffee beans as a kid. Yes. But if you were like, yes. if you were like, my mom put me on this TV show and then I had a little snack of coffee covered, chocolate <laughs> yeah. covered coffee beans, then I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's yeah. a little different. Um, totally. So the, the girls themselves didn't really talk about this time. They still never really have to this day. But I found this out through the Celebrity Memoir Book Club podcast. Um, they did an episode on Jody Sweeten and her memoir. And she referred to the Olsen twins. Like she kind of talked a bit about them. And I found it really insightful. So basically 
in her memoir, she talked about the pressure of being a child star, what it did to her to be on Full House, how overworked she was, and like how much it just it just truly messed her up as a person and caused her to spiral into drug addiction. And she said, I was pushed to my absolute limits, but the Olsen twins were pushed further. So we would get this like summer break type of thing. They would get a few months off every year. And she said every year when she would go and basically just sleep for a month, the Olsen twins would be off filming a movie or multiple movies and they never got a break. So another strike for their parents and for them just being totally used as children. 100%. And we will talk about this in their later years, but I think that their childhood and teen years are the big push for why they have such strict boundaries with privacy and stuff nowadays Mm -hmm. because of how, yeah, exploited and how they were literally everywhere. Like they were, you know, their merch, their movies, their TV shows, it was everything. Their fan club that they had, like Mm -hmm. it was, it was literally everywhere they were working so hard all of the time which sucks for little kids like it's really sad yeah totally and like between my episode last week about Amanda Bynes and then now on Mary-Kate and Ashley just thinking about child stars and what it really does to them I'm remembering an essay that Mara Wilson wrote have you ever do you know what I'm talking about yes because she was Matilda yeah she was Matilda and she was in a couple of other blockbusters back to back and she had parents that were really supportive of her leaving and weren't really in the biz but she is very articulate and very open about the trauma that that caused her and it, it explains it really in layman's terms like in a way that you would understand as someone who's not involved in the business so Maybe I'll, I'll link it in the episode description because when you hear their story and then you read her essay, it's like, you know, you can, you can, <laughs> you can put two and two together of like the, yes. the insanity. Okay. So they were on full house. Then when they were six, they started starring in commercials. Then mm-hmm. I actually had to like count this out uh, a couple times to make sure I was getting it right from ages six to 18. So 1992, 2004, they had 30 roles and that includes movies that they starred in shows that they starred in roles on other major movies and shows like 30 roles and a lot of these were while they were filming full house yeah it's so wild even i was thinking the other day because i loved so little time did you watch their show i didn't it was sorry okay it's okay it was on ytv for those canadians and (laughs) It was when they were, like, teens. They were in high school at the time, stuff like that. It was so, so fun. Then on TikTok the other day, I was like, oh, my God, this is a Mary-Kate and Ashley TV show, but it's not so little time. I had literally forgot about Two of a Kind, like, an entire TV show that they filmed and I watched. I just forgot because they're literally in everything. Yeah, totally. Usually when I do a deep dive on someone and they've had a movie or a TV show out, I, I try to watch it ahead of the episode, but I'm like, they had 30 fucking movies and shows. Yeah, I'm not going to be like, what am, I, what am I watching? Yes. Like, I'm, not, yes. I'm just going to know that they were deeply overworked, not underpaid, but also whatever at that point. You're so, yes. <laughs> you're so traumatized. Like, what do you even do with that money? They were working their entire years. <laughs> like, they were yeah they were working over 24 hours a day it seems yes yeah and so 
that was all of their roles but then on top of that their names were licensed to these were these were the following products that were licensed under their name mary kate nashley empire clothes purses hats books cds fragrances makeup video games board games dolls telephones telephones like <laughs> yes like I think plug into the wall too, yes full-on telephones i think miss 2000 2005 well, she's a content creator i think it's like m-i-s-s-s 2005 she just purchased the mary kane ashley plug-in phone and i was like having jealous flashbacks <laughs> from when i wanted that phone as a kid i was like why wouldn't my parents let me have my own phone in my room that's branded Mary Kane Ashley. <laughs> I just remember so vividly. Again, people are like, "Hey, shut the f up." I just re- vividly remember like their fragrances at Walmart and like their clothes and stuff, and like ads in magazines like YM and Teen People and um, J Fourteen and stuff like that. And I just, God, those yeah, were they were the, the days, cool, funky it girls. You. Oh, they were so cool. Like their hair with the little flip, their little colored sunglasses. Their like their I wanted them caps. so bad. Oh my God. Like they could pull off any outfit. I was just so jealous. I thought they, they were always wearing like weird accessories and stuff, but like it wasn't weird. Like Hannah Montana <laughs> or like Miley Cyrus. It fucking worked. Like it. Like I, it just looked. Yeah, cool. they were fashion icon. <laughs> uh, they were they were fashion girls from the start, <laughs> yes. um, and they could pull off like a belt over a tank top, or later later on yes. like giant trench coats year round. You know, they really, they really can yes. pull off anything. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Literally, I know they would always have such cool like coats or like kind of like wedge high heels and stuff and I'd be like they look so grown yeah, up yeah it was this like- mix of like not quite being ahead of the time because it was very much like of the moment it was like trendy but in their own way it's like they they're the trailblazers yeah. Yeah. of this yeah it was just very specific to them so yeah I remember I wanted the fragrance so bad it's like when, where was I wearing yeah yeah <laughs> like, yes. like I was 11 or It's to make your friends jealous. That's a, um, or or like yeah, to swap it around totally. and be like the person who like brings their Mary Kate Ashley perfume to school and is like, I got the goods. Who wants a little spritz? Yeah. <laughs> He's so embarrassing. But yeah, it was very, they're like, they are like the pinnacle of, I don't want to say capitalism, but like. Girl boss queens. But like literally yes, they were yeah, girls, like they were young girls <laughs> and they were bosses of a multi-million dollar empire. <laughs> so the the definition <laughs> of girl bosses. But yeah, yes, yeah. Like the consumer aspect is really interesting to me because you're right. Like they were selling this look that I wanted to yeah. be a part of. It was of. also like very achievable. It wasn't like these outlandish looks. It was like yeah. you could find it at Walmart or, you know, whatever, <laughs> like equivalent department store (laughs) yeah yeah like I wasn't gonna be at the Atlantis resort in the summer 
uh, like them, but I could wear my Walmart um, jean skirt from that Mary Kate and Ashley line. Not like now where it's like a black t-shirt from the road that's like $3,000, you know? <laughs> yes, yes, um, yes. Yeah, so yes. yeah, that was them girl bossing away at the time. And <laughs> of, of all this time, like the only real quote that I could find from either of them about anything negative about this time is Mary Kate at one point quite a while ago in an interview said we felt like little monkey performers I look at old photos of me and I don't feel connected to them at all I wouldn't wish my upbringing on anyone but I wouldn't trade it for the world and like I feel like she just kind of throw threw that in at the end was like uh we were exploited and uh and I'm grateful because you you have to sound grateful at that point you do you do. You can't, because especially with millionaires and like famous people, they have to seem grateful for us yeah. to like <laughs> allow them to continue to be famous. So I get that, that, and that makes me like so sad because the reverence that I had for them, especially in these younger years, for them to not feel connected. And how could you? How could you develop an identity? when you are playing, when you're acting for 12 months out yeah. of the year. Yeah, it, exactly. And you're playing this role where it's you and your sister and they're, they have you both there so they can warp the laws and make even more money off of you. So it's, uh, my interpretation of their silence is they just want notoriety in some senses, like in terms of their fashion brands and everything but in many other senses just being obscure like they're like we don't even we don't we don't want to engage we don't want to talk about we don't know her basically and the moment they totally. opened up about anything or were like we had a bad time it would be picked apart analyzed they'd be hounded for more that's that's how I see it yeah 100 percent. like even Amanda Bynes right now um And Britney Spears even, I think, like, they've kind of talked about, I don't know, like, at least Britney has that her life, the way that people are talking about it, she doesn't love. And so I think that they don't want maybe that same microscope on these, like, earlier years. And that's so fair. Because they had such a lack of control and power seemingly as they grew up with this stuff so we can give them that control and power back by discussing it in a in a ethical way and and letting them yeah and in some ways it's kind of like the ultimate power move to just go silent and never speak never speak a word again and 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 be these people that were constantly on our screens have been everywhere in Hollywood and then you know they'll never speak a word of it God, I wish I was like that so much, but I can't <laughs> shut up. But like, it is such a power move to just not talk about this type of thing or like not let people see that it bothered you or whatever. And I, again, just the exact opposite. I'm someone who can't shut up either, but also we weren't so, we weren't so exploited. Like it makes me think of Mar- Mara Wilson's essay and how she says even now she doesn't even like photos taken of herself. And she was just in the spotlight for a couple yep. years as a kid. 
and very much of yeah and not to yeah, the extent of her own volition yeah. was able to leave as soon as she wanted to and still feels uncomfortable just having people take photos of her like friends at a party and and she kind of freaks out a bit yeah. so we we don't know given their circumstances maybe that would actually get us to shut up <laughs> <laughs> true that would true. be about the only thing for true. me true <laughs> yes me too um so too. just to uh kind of wrap up their like pre um their 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 childhood very very early adulthood all their their years of acting um there's a couple of controversies to say the least that involved them and the ways that they were treated and this is kind of a theme throughout their lives. So the first little notable moment is pretty inoffensive and adorable in a way, but it was like uh, 2006, Mary-Kate's boyfriend left her for Paris Hilton and she gave this really honest interview to W Mag and said that she was just devastated and dropped out of NYU for this and said that she really loved him and <laughs> was just trying to heal from it. <laughs> I was like, oh, stars they're just like us <laughs> I was just gonna say I was just gonna say how relatable like yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically the last of their uh relatable scandals um not even scandals but yeah the next one it, it's that's interesting and this speaks to I mean just the vast wealth that they they have they were signed up for NYU and to prepare for it they created their own kind of dorm situation by buying a $7 million penthouse in New York City and started to renovate it, but then sold it before it was done because they said renovations were taking too long. Yeah, and this seems kind of like a consistent theme. Like some apartment living comes up in Mary-Kate's divorce last year too. But yeah, so there's obviously a, a... a privilege that uh, a privileged experience that they're living during this time. Yeah. It's a very uh, special kind of club that <laughs> buys $7 million penthouses for fun, but like what else are they going to do with their like hundreds of millions? Totally. Of totally. <laughs> the next in these like notable moments and controversies really involves the, the way that people talk to them. And this along with them being put in this, situation of having to act constantly in the first place this is um after that this is the saddest to me but they were totally mocked and sexualized and put on a pedestal by everyone so they were at 16 years old they were on the cover of rolling stone magazine and under their names on the cover it said america's favorite fantasy and the article within was called the olsen twins the Olsen twins, sisters of perpetual abstinence. Yeah. And I went to read the article and it was like, you have to subscribe um, to read it. And I was like, fuck you, Rolling Stone. I'm not paying for this shit. Literally. Yeah, I definitely remember um, like looking back on some of these this time, especially, yeah, when they were like in their teen years as men talking about them like really grossly because they were kind of like all American sweethearts, virginal, like literally in their movies, like the most sexual thing they would do is like hold hands with a guy or like a very chaste kiss. And so I think a lot of gross older men um, took 
yeah, took that as like the virginal fantasy that, um, that just, I don't know, that guys can't get over. Yeah. They were like, they were like these cherubs that creepy, creepy men ever were chasing after. And Rolling Stone could write this article about their virginity when they were 16 with, uh, and about how they're America's fantasy with no ramifications. Yeah, and I've heard clips of, like, Howard Stern and, like, other interviewers and stuff talking about, yeah, like, when they turn 18 and, like, all of this really gross stuff. So, again, they were subjected to the same type of misogyny and sexualization as many other young female stars. Yeah, there were many websites, some of them that had a lot of traffic that were countdowns to them turning 18. And that's, and I saw this compilation. So in 2008, there was the roast of Bob Saget um, on Comedy Central. And I saw this compilation of his roast recently, where it was all the different comments about Mary Kate and Ashley, all the jokes. And it was like every comedian that was on that roast basically made up a joke that was about like essaying them and like molesting, like about Bob Saget, like being with them as children every single comedian in that roast and par for the course in 2008 but also like what the fuck yeah 100 percent. like it the context of that time um it's the accumulation of all of these things that we're seeing with like paris and Lindsay and Brittany and mary kate and ashley and amanda yeah totally and yeah, and they really had no safe place to turn because even when they went on the Oprah show, that was one of Oprah's more controversial moments was the way she treated them. So Oprah, they were 17 at the time. They went on her show and she was asking them about the rumors about them having an eating disorder because it, by then the rumors were rampant. And I think that it, that was the year that also Mary-Kate went to rehab for an eating disorder. Um, she was asking them about it and they were in the middle of talking about how uncomfortable those rumors made them and she cut them off and asked what size they were yeah (laughs) like I love Oprah I also like every day after school would come home um Dr. Phil was on at three so I would catch like the end of Dr. Phil and then Oprah was on at four so I'd watch that till my mom started prepping for dinner that was like yeah the this is this is the schedule this is why we are the way we are today (laughs) yes seriously so like love her but her fixation on weight and fatness is so gross and yeah this was definitely like her whole show, there's so many ups and downs about losing weight, gaining weight back, how being fat is bad, like all of this shit that is just like, even her buying Weight Watchers in like the year of our Lord 2019 or something, like it's just all a big no from me. But asking to young impressionable women a but like b just anyone what size of clothes they wear and how much they weigh live on air is such a uh an error of judgment like that's just so inappropriate and i cannot believe that people 
Because I think that that didn't get much flack at the time. And like people are just looking back at it now. And like, how did we miss that? Like, I'm... I mean, so shocked. I mean, it's the same thing as the roast of Bob Saget. Like, there's still roasts today, but that you wouldn't have a whole room of men making jokes about them assaulting children. You just wouldn't have that even in a comedy set or a roast today without it getting negative attention. And in 2008, totally acceptable. Same with Oprah's behavior, totally acceptable. Like when they when they stalled, they didn't answer. The question they said oh we're petite they were clearly uncomfortable she made fun of them she was like oh oh interesting like wow if i was skinny like you i would i would know what size i am it's funny you don't know like it was i was like oprah stop yeah it's so bad and again like we talked about identity development but also like body image and positive self-image Again, I revered them for being confident and cool and beautiful and smart and articulate, but like knowing that that probably wasn't the case inside their heads is like literally devastating for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) I know. And, And that seemed to be, I mean, some kind of survival technique, all they knew. Yeah. That's and, yeah, all they knew, like, all they knew how to do was be directed by these adults telling them to smile for the camera. Totally. And this also, so this was like 2003, 2004. And this is definitely also when like blogs and websites talking about celebs. And obviously there was always tabloids, but this is definitely when that kind of culture is starting up. So, um, the stuff around anorexia, etc. When you're getting ripped apart and analyzed at every move, I feel like that's like par for the course, which is so gross. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And so that leads us. It's a nice segue into the next half of the show, which is their, their yes. post-acting lives. And it was... it's basically like them both stepping into incredible roles and facing some of the consequences of their upbringing. Yeah, 100%. So Take us away, Tori. (laughs) Yes. So around the time of the Oprah interview, Mary-Kate enters treatment for anorexia. And I really remember... um, at this time like watching them on like MTV and and reading the magazines like it would be just covers of Mary Kate looking thin in like a bathing suit or like a super baggy dress oversized sunglasses and then people being like 99 pounds like that would be the headline or like in in later years they become some of their staple pieces of their image are like a large venti starbucks cup so i just remember there was like all these articles being like their black coffee is like the only thing they consume that day and stuff like that so just all of this like really gross talk about their bodies and yeah what they eat and eating disorders it's as if all the websites and all the people that own the domains that were countdowns to them turning 18 then switched (laughs) and as soon as they turned 18 pivoted to like being like their bodies are disgusting (laughs) look at how literally (laughs) look at how skinny they are (laughs) 
It's like they were kids and everything was just like cute, beautiful, funny, charismatic. Then all of a sudden they're like teens and it's like way too skinny. Then like, or I guess maybe the, I guess like I don't remember them being called fat per, per, per se. And then having this swing into disordered eating and and becoming too thin. But I'm sure that that was happening as as literal girls turn into women and get hips and boobs and yeah. tummies and etc yeah and if you were acting in the 2000s like basically any th- any time before 2010 and you were anything above a size zero I'm sure that you were called that multiple times ridiculed yeah. yeah and like you're right because also you're right the cultural context at this time is Kate Moss is again this is these are gross terms but heroin chic Paris Hilton low rise jeans, hip bones, like all of that. Yeah. So like that is the context. But, and heroin chic like sounds really out of place in today's society, but it's like the reason why it describes the time is because it was trying to capture how it was cool to look sickly. That was the cool thing. It wasn't just, oh, that you're skinny and chic. It's that you look like sunken in and unwell. And that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Just like Kate Moss yes. does, you know. Yes, yeah, very like Amy Winehouse. Yeah, like, yeah. You drink black coffee, you smoke cigarettes, you do drugs, but that's like all you put into your body. Yeah. Like that was the look. Yeah. Which, um, again, then we swung to this like wellness culture, but then kind of some of this party culture is coming back. It's 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 fascinating for pop culture nerds like us. But um, at eighteen. They become co-presidents of Jewel Star. So like Emily mentioned at the beginning of the episode, all of those clothing lines and fragrances and branded products, as well as their movies and TV shows, are under this big umbrella company of Jewel Star. And it's actually wild because their estimated net worth, I think in around 2020, is about a combined total of $500 million. So they are still, and I know we'll talk about their clothing lines and I think that those do well, but, um, or sorry, 2022, I think I said 2020, but 2022 combined net worth of 500 million. They must still be living off of like residuals of like passport to Paris. Yeah, totally. Residuals and also their fashion lines are very successful in of themselves. Like they're very respected in the fashion world in the high fashion world no less I mean <laughs> um I'm sure you follow Charles Gross on of on course. TikTok Let, let's talk, let's about, talk it. about it all he wears is the row it's like <laughs> these yeah these, <laughs> these NYC socialites they're wearing the row it is a very successful company so I think that would have kept them in great business without all their residuals but I'm sure that's that's probably the bulk of what they're earning Totally, which is so wild. Um, In this time, they also filmed their last movie together. So New York Minute came out in 2004. Um, It's the last movie that they did together. Mary-Kate goes on to do a few others like Factory Girl, The Wackness, Beastly, um, as well as TV shows like Weeds and Samantha Who. And then Ashley did Solo, The Jerk Theory, and I'm Still Here. Did you watch any of those movies or TV shows? I 
I'm sorry, I did not. I did not. I did not partake in the, this cultural moment <laughs> of their post <laughs> post Full House at like adult acting career. No, I I think it's it's fake because they were going at such a crazy pace that even though that sounds like a lot of projects, like for what they had been used to, that that I I imagine that felt like them winding down. You know? Yes, which is so weird. Like that's still like five movies each, and like in like 10 years or whatever yeah. like that's still a lot of projects oh that's booked and busy for almost anyone yeah. else but like to the pace that they the only pace that they had ever known it might have just felt like okay I'm ready to slow down I'm gonna phase this out I'll just you know do a couple more movies maybe five or six and then that's it totally <laughs> totally so they are running dual star um they still have their fashion line at Walmart they were really um, praised for like some of their philanthropic endeavors, which is interesting. They pledged that all of the people working in their Bangladesh factory that made the clothes would have a full maternity leave, which like honestly like gold stars, but also it's like that should be like the bare minimum. It. But I know that that's not the case for all celebrity and, lines. And I feel like it's such a celebrity thing to have a clothing line where there's all these sweatshop rumors, but then be like, oh, but I did this show where we went to this orphanage and funded yeah. it. And it's like, well, what about your freaking like workers that are writing Employees. help in the seams of their clothes? You know, like I feel like it's such a move to do both at once. So for them to actually do philanthropic things by taking the pre-existing workers that they already have and promoting good working conditions that feels way more real like real philanthropy you're right that is like actual like equity work not just performative shit on their social yeah not like them coming and like taking a photo of them pretending to dig a well like that's you know yes yes or like when kylie goes to her factories and like pretends she like invented lipstick (laughs) like and all the scientists and shit are just like okay yeah meanwhile I mean yeah her business is about a lot of rumors of sweatshops like so yeah and then and then you know and then if there's like uh, some hurricane she'll be like I donated 20 million dollars or whatever probably not even that much I don't think they do that much philanthropy yeah like one million pledged to yeah it's that sort of thing as they're 18 19 um heading off to NYU as you were saying this is where they really pioneered the homeless chic look again we they're like I saw on the internet someone said like the bohemian like bourgeoisie or I don't know bougie I don't know whatever the style that based on the 20 year fashion cycle that's about to come into style in the next come couple back, years which <laughs> which I'm like kind of down for because it's basically just you cover half your face with sunglasses which I'm always down to do because I don't like interact and then you cover the rest of your body in 15 layers in 15 layers of like flowy fabric honestly it's very much like coastal grandma or coastal granny or whatever that new whatever the kids are saying these days yes yes it's very much that where you're wearing like a linen uh sweater that's like baggy and like a loose um skirt 
And then again, the cigarettes and the iconic Starbucks cup. Um, never reusable, always just like the <laughs> the venti hot uh, disposable cup. Yeah, and like, the turtles if, were the least if, of people's worries in 2006. In two, 2006. <laughs> 2004 yes, or 5, yeah. whatever. <laughs> yes, literally. And like if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google like Ma- Mary Kate and Ashley smoking and, like, yeah. and just have fun. Like it's so much fun. Um, I also am excited they, for that to come back into style. I, yes, yes. Yeah. Like F the low rise Ugh. pants and like skinny eyebrows. Like let's bring back the, um, a tote bag. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Because I'm like, I'm sick of not carrying my items. I want to carry yeah. my yeah. items. I want to be librarian <laughs> granny chic. So I want to, yes. I want to be comfortable <laughs> at all costs. Yes. So it'd be great if that could be in style uh, ASAP. ASAP. <laughs> Um, that was the other piece is the large Birkin bag was like a very signature look. Cause it's like, again, you look quote unquote homeless, but you're actually wearing thousand, tens of thousands of dollars of clothing and accessories. Yeah. And what's interesting too, is I've saw, I've seen this photo of one of them with a Birkin that was torn up and they're wearing it. And that is kind of like, that really characterizes the quote homeless chic <laughs> look yeah because that's what it that's what it really comes down to like that's the essence of it is millionaires cosplaying as homeless people and there's there's nothing that says that like a thirty thousand dollar bag that you literally have torn and <laughs> tattered and destroyed yeah because it's like um i could afford another one so i'm gonna like easily so um I can trash this one and it's totally fine. it's kind of punk <laughs> yeah it like it, it's like throwing down a really expensive like guitar and smashing it it's just being like look I don't care about things even though <laughs> you you peasants are not able to afford them yes but that is what being rich is right is that that effortless and that effortlessness and that I'm so rich that I don't have to care about these things. Yeah. So it's 2005. They launched the aforementioned The Row when Ashley challenges Mary Kate to make the perfect t-shirt, like white t-shirt. That's the fun origin story that they share in interviews. Um, and it's very minimalistic. Again, um, that kind of... Um, almost like Parisian chic where it's like you know, dainty gold jewelry, um, a structured white t-shirt or like a button up t-shirt. Um, and to the untrained eye, it's all clothes that you wouldn't be able to tell is designer. Yes. But to the people in the know, they know it's designer and that's the, the special part of it. They also, um, launch Elizabeth and James, which is named after their other siblings in 2007. But after all we've talked about with their careers, what do you think of Elizabeth Olsen now like being famous and, you know, having that breakout role in like some Marvel situ and yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's great. Like, you know, the whole thing about Mary Kate and Ashley is 
they have such a mystique about them and they look kind of alien and they kind of look like thousand year old wizards to me you know they they look like they know my past and future you know they have (laughs) that kind of essence to them and Elizabeth Olsen seems so normal (laughs) so normal (laughs) and it reminds like it's a reminder of like just uh that just what they've been through and how that's affected them because they all come from the same family but Elizabeth Olsen seems lovely all the interviews with her she's like funny and warm and just yeah just like uh someone who I'd love to be friends with (laughs) Yeah, she seems very well adjusted. And I, in my head, I'm always thinking, like, did Mary-Kate and Ashley, like, protect Elizabeth from the spotlight until she was, like, an age where she, like, someone could have the tools to handle it? Or were their parents, or were their parents, like, we're so busy exploiting these twins that, like, we don't even have time to, like, (laughs) take care of the rest of our kids? (laughs) Elizabeth and James are like forgotten in the back of their like minivan and they're like oh right like we should probably like do something with yeah, the, those yeah, two. Yeah. Yeah, we don't Yeah, we we've got our hands full with these two so totally. I don't know. Yeah, but and and she went into uh, the spotlight at a great age which is just older cuz they you know it's like they say that you get frozen at the age you became famous. So what does that mean for people that became famous at 9 months old? Literally. <laughs> You're, a little baby that doesn't speak and (laughs) well when you said like that when mary when you quoted mary kate saying i look at pictures of myself and i feel disconnected that i feel like harkens back to this idea of you're frozen in time at the age that you um got famous and that means that they again didn't have time out of the spotlight to develop their own identities or personalities or lives or whatever yeah yeah exactly it's interesting what they were doing with with their career at this point but I'll let you I'll let you get into that yeah so um again they're you're right like they're just making a lot of money they 2007 they had an estimated net worth of 100 million and then I said by 2022 an estimated combined net worth of 500 million. So they're killing it. They release a book called Influence, interviewing prominent people in fashion. So they're really all in on the fashion game right now. Um, and that's kind of where they're at now as well. They, uh, Mary Kate, I believe, was seen out at the 2022 Balenciaga Fall Fashion Show with her AirPods in in Paris this past week. Which feels very on brand. (laughs) So on brand. And again, not just like, oh, I'm like, I don't even want to be here. I just like have to be, but like I'm listening to something like in my headphones. Yeah, or like (laughs) I want to look at some clothes and I don't even care if this looks rude. Like I just. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) Does this, do I seem unapproachable? Good. Okay, I just want (laughs) to. sit here I want to be unapproachable yes with my huge black sunglasses and um yeah my cigarette yeah yeah personally they dated a few notable men in their lives um most notable for Mary Kate was Olivier Sarkozy who was is that really he was the brother of the president of France 
Yeah, so we're talking millions of dollars and like influence and and stuff. So they were started dating in 2012. They were engaged in 2014, married in 2015, divorced in 2020. They had the infamous wedding in New York where there was just gold bowls of cigarettes on all of the tables. I Yeah, when we were dividing and conquering for this episode, um, we were like, okay, one of us, uh, I'll take uh, the first half of their lives. You take the second half. I was like, you can take the second half as long as you cover the wedding with the bowls of cigarettes because it's such an evocative <laughs> image. <laughs> it is. Like, again, it's like F our health. Like, everyone knows cigarettes are bad for you, but it's like, they just, they just, they don't care. They're too chic. They're they're only bad for you if you're a loser. Yeah. (laughs) And poor. (laughs) Yeah. Literally. Yeah. It's just, I remember that being, like, the detail to come out of their wedding. Yeah. And, you know, I often defend age gap relationships because I'm kind of like, look, everyone in Hollywood grows up differently and I think unless it's someone who's like you know the second they turn 18 they get snatched up by someone older like that's not cool but if if they are into their adult years and want to date someone who's much older whatever it's it doesn't ruffle me too much but in the case of Mary Kate and Olivier Sarkozy like it just looks wrong I'm just gonna say it like seeing photos of them together it looks like he's dragging around a little rag doll like you know when kids like have their doll that they have to bring everywhere and they just like have they're like holding them that's what it literally looks like i'll I'll post some photos to go with this because it's just like it's you look at it and you're like um okay okay (laughs) so he's 53 and mary kate and ashley are at now they're 36, I believe. Mm-hmm. So they have like a 17-year age gap. Yeah, it, it, they do have a pattern of dating older men. Do you think that's because they were fucking CEOs? <laughs> from They were hashtag girl bosses from a young age? Or like what do you, or do you think they just have a type? For a little column A, a little column B. I mean, uh, <laughs> The fact that they're not dating worse people, good for them. They're not dating necessarily people with the most lovely reputation, but as long as they're staying away from people that are total monsters, um, that's good, which they seem to have managed. But yeah, I mean, and and like, I don't want to get too superficial with it, but it's just like, it's also just the fact that like, they're so small. They're so teeny tiny and pocket size. And then when you have this like pretty big guy who's this big wealthy politician and he's over 20 years older it's just it's it's a look it's a vibe yeah he has like gray hair and stuff she's like blonde and like it just he and he looks like he looks like the french president's brother i don't know he just you know literally looks like like the cartoon the cartoon version (laughs) it just evokes such a clear image that yeah 100 and what they had in common probably so much chain smoking (laughs) so much smoking and just like being rich yeah 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 (laughs) and not wanting people to talk to them probably (laughs) yes yes so she files uh for divorce Right in the midst of COVID, um, at the time, they weren't doing any non-emergency, like, 
uh, processes. It was like March 2020. And so um, they decline her petition. She files it again saying that it's like urgent um, and requests to stay in their Gramercy apartment. Also declined. And basically there was, because again, this was peak COVID, there was actually a virtual hearing which like people and like all of those super um, exploitative magazines were covering because you could actually watch the Zoom. Oh, yeah. Zoom well, I mean, that's but also <laughs> I'll take it because that's why Britney's free, you know? Yes. OK. And also, like, I'm like, they're exploitative, like, as I read the article. No, no, no. Them, generally, like, generally no, no, no. It's generally 99 percent of them are like humiliating and so unfortunate yeah, that they're like yes. on YouTube and it's like people's custody hearings and like that's terrible. <laughs> the one redeeming element is that we got to hear Brittany tell her truth. Yes. So at least yes. we have that. <laughs> Literally. And again, like I was watching it as everyone else was watching it and like, yeah, for better or for worse. But she cited one of the main reasons for their divorce is that Olivier invited his ex-wife to live in Mary-Kate and Olivier's Bridgehampton home worth $5 million. And she was like, I think um, most people would think that that's a little bit weird and um, would want a divorce. Yeah. And it also just kind of seems again like very rich people things where a lot of things are for show or I'm sure a lot of people have arrangements just for the fact that they know that if they get into the divorce process they don't want to have to spend 50 million dollars on it or you know just the types of things that people in that echelon get involved in like dividing up their shady estates or whatever you know yeah and it's yeah the like list of properties all over the world yeah. and stuff yeah yeah being like whatever you know I'll just I'll just be here in in, in this house and you be like in the Hamptons house over there yeah yes <laughs> over there yeah like maybe at that point I don't know I just I just think that they really live outside of the normal laws and a lot of social customs as Absolutely. as us commoners or like if you were having to get a divorce from someone and being like okay maybe I'm gonna have to like sleep on my friend's couch for two months you know it's not it's not it's not like that for them they can just spend five years living across the country and (laughs) in their own mansion yes (laughs) yes he can just like go back to France or whatever but anyway it just it either way it didn't work out so it didn't work out I don't think there's news on her dating anyone new at this point but again this is just um the divorce was just finalized in 2021 um, Ashley has like honestly one of the worst dating rosters I've ever seen. I'm looking at the list um, and I'm like deeply cringing. <laughs> deeply, deeply cringing. I just wrote down like notable people. I thought you were gonna say notable um, douchebags because that's what I was saying in my head. <laughs> also notable douchebags, because there was a few other um men that I just didn't know, didn't recognize their name. They were probably like businessmen or whatever. Um, she dated Dax Shepard in 2005, which you, like, everyone knows on this pod, you hate. 
And I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. If anyone wants to hear why I hate him, I did a whole episode called the Dax and Kristen episode. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. He's not like, he's not like a me too scandal kind of guy. I mean, I feel like you have to make that clear when you talk about that now with any men in Hollywood. He's just annoying. He's annoying as fuck. Like that's really what it yes. comes down to. <laughs> Literally. Um, Jared Leto. Uh, problematic king and cult leader (laughs) yeah so this was 2005 but then they were like kind of maybe rekindled thing in things in 2011 and I was like that's just too close to 2022 for my liking yeah 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 it's uh yeah any Jared Leto dating not great uh (laughs) but the fact that you you hit it and you hit it again just all right you know not uh, (laughs) another strike on the list but hey Hey, Ashley, same. Like, look. And mine yeah. weren't even like rich celebs. So what was my what was my excuse? <laughs> uh, her next boyfriend was Lance Armstrong. Oh god. <laughs> like so cringe. Like 2007. So literally, I feel like right before his um cheating scandal happened. Just like roided out Lance Armstrong. <laughs> so embarrassing like 15 year age gap she probably he probably wanted her to wear a live strong bracelet and she refused like we were all we all had a live strong bracelet on our wrist though at some point no one left 2007 without at least placing one on their wrist okay so we all we all did it you think ashley didn't get through unscathed do you think she was rocking the the rubber band oh i think i mean i think you had to although you know they're both pretty powerful in their own right so you know yeah i wonder if she was like I, I can't. Because even Lance Armstrong was kind of at the top of his game at that point. But Ashley also at that point was coming off the heels of, I mean, she had been acting, was still in her acting career, uh, maybe even had more money than him. So, hey, maybe they were they were uh, up against their match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why they they clicked. Um, I think it was pretty short-lived. Power, power couple. Power couple. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, and he he wrote a little bit about her in his memoir, um, so he she must have made that much of a lasting impression. But or he just wanted to name drop. Honestly, that's probably more likely because I think it was like a one off sentence, and it wasn't really flattering. I think he said something about her maturity level, and I was like, "You are dating someone fifteen years younger than you." I mean, what do you expect? Just just aside from all the steroid business, like just dating someone who's a douchey athlete, like I just ex- I I I picture them having to eat like boiled chicken and them just telling you, you know, about like their carb loading and you just having to like hear about this so every we- morning, you know, when they wake you up at four in the morning to go biking. It's just it it doesn't sound good any way you spin it. <laughs> and that's aside no, from like the cheating really and everything. Doesn't. Then she moved on. Justin, yeah, she moved on to Justin Bartha, who she dated for three years, 2008 to 2011. He was in the Hangover trilogy. He's an actor uh, and National Treasure. Um, But I think he's like kind of relatively unknown. 
don't know if there's any Justin Bartha stands out there, but he was relatively unknown to me. She dates a bunch of older men, and then she finally settles down with Louis Eisner in 2017, who is the son of the Geffen Company Mm -hmm. uh, president, which is like a big music uh, company. So they were seen recently. He's cute. Seems like they're like a good match. So Mm -hmm. happy for her. Yeah, same. Love, love, sending love and light. Yeah, sending love and light to both of you. Should we chat about Heath Ledger? I feel yes. like that's, yes. yeah. One thousand percent, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm like, is that is that a question? Like, is this whole yes. thing been leading up to this? Maybe, for me, yes. kind of. <laughs> yeah, for me too. Like, honestly. He was really good friends with Mary-Kate. And there was a little bit of, like, suspicious... Things that happen around his death, he overdosed on drugs. He was found by his massage therapist in his bed on January 22nd, 2008. But the suspicious part is that the massage therapist called Mary Kate twice before contacting like the police or like emergency services. Um, So that's kind of the... I don't know, scandalous part. Like, why do you think she did that? I mean, there's so many reasons, but there's so much I'm sure that goes on when you're the support worker or you're, you know, part of the team of people that help out these rich people. And you probably have to sign a lot of things, but also I'm sure there's other things that are just, you have to read between the lines. And when you're the cleaner massage therapist whatever of people that are very in very active addiction but also have unlimited wealth I'm sure you have to kind of like help skirt past it cover things up like maybe you might be worried that their team is going to sue you or you know there's probably this is total speculation. Maybe she just wanted to know from Mary Kate, like, hey, what do you know if anything was in the drugs that likely they were doing together? Like, uh, just pan- yeah, pa- I- a panicked thing. It's a really, it's a really panicked thing to call someone else before calling the police, and that's when you know illegal stuff is involved. And I'm sure it was done likely out of pure fear and not like anything malicious on the massage therapist's uh, account. Totally. 100%. Yeah. That was the only kind of thing that I could think about too, is that maybe they did drugs together. um... Well, because now it's like so common, like at least in BC, especially where it's like, it's in the news every day where it's like, Oh, this batch of drugs just went out and it is laced with this. Like, um, this batch of this that just went out is deadly and six people just overdose. Like that's unfortunately the reality that we live in now. And so maybe stuff like that was happening secretly that we weren't aware of kind of on and off with all these, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. Drug using celebs. Yeah. Yeah. Do drugs, um, with friends and get your drugs tested if you can. And, yeah, all of that stuff. So you're not alone if you have an accidental overdose. Yeah, but it, it was so shocking. It's shocking when any celebrity dies, of course. But Heath Ledger, not that he was this squeaky clean guy, but 
there weren't even rumors that I was aware of. It was just he was the he was the it guy, but he seemed down to earth and kind of cheeky and and just just very yeah, he seemed so very cheeky. sincere. Super sincere. I don't know if he's just so good looking yeah. that I'm dazzled. I'm like, he seems so real, but he kind of did. He did. He he seemed special in that way. And um yeah, that might just be not someone that you would like attribute to doing drugs, which again is kind of we all of those stereotypes and kind of prejudices or preconceived notions about drug users. So yeah, and, and um the blind item people are probably gonna yell at me for this, but in my from my perspective, I had never really heard about drug use from Mary Kate either. I'm sure there's maybe blinds about it seems like every celeb nowadays not nowadays in all of time <laughs> do like um party drugs or cocaine etc cetera, etc cetera. and so i don't think it's out of the realm to to think that um these two did them too so yeah it was interesting she asked for legal immunity before sharing information about his death um so I'm assuming, again, it's because they were illegal drugs, um, but it seemed like she couldn't indicate who the source of drugs were. So I guess they never found out if it was like a certain batch that um, contained um, contained like a too strong potency or fentanyl or whatever it was. Yeah, it was also kind of scandalous because I don't think people knew that they were together and it was like he had recently had a kid and then separated from Michelle Williams. Yeah. So it was all just seemingly very out of the blue. Um, I doubt we will ever know the truth, but I'm sure I bet the truth is maybe even wilder than fiction. Like just any, (laughs) anytime there's something suspicious like this, where you see someone dead and you don't, you do anything other than call 911 to me that says there's like a network of suspicious things going on 100% like what does that mean um uh did, did they want to like clean yeah clean something up beforehand or um i'm not sure but yeah mary kate when she received the call from the massage therapist um she sent us one of her security guards to check on them so who knows? Um, we might not ever know the truth, but no, because um, the only people yeah. sound maybe the only two people that know the truth were Heath and Mary Kate, who is going to be tight lipped. So, yep, absolutely, we'll never know, absolutely. Um, yeah. um, she's like one last thing, just to end on like a positive note. She competitively rides horses and has traveled around the US and internationally um, for competitions. And yeah, so she does that like pretty seriously. So she's definitely still girl bossing with like her, the row, Elizabeth and James. Um, and her horses, her estates. Her horses, her estates, yeah. Yeah, going to fashion shows with AirPods in. Yeah, like, what a queen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so any any concluding remarks on the life and empire of Mary-Kate and Ashley? You know, you, you, you mentioned um, beforehand that they're Geminis. That is interesting. I mean, 
their chart deserves a whole deep dive. And I actually have a, an astrology episode um, that I'll be recording in the next couple of weeks um, yes. about celebrities, birth charts, but I should really do theirs because twin Gemini's is not something. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what that is something. <laughs> yeah, you should add them to your list because I think it would complement this episode really well. But um, I think my final thoughts on them are just I love them. <laughs> if that wasn't clear, um, I think their career trajectory is really interesting because it seems like they still work very hard, but just in a different realm. Um, and yeah, again, it's just interesting to dissect girls and um teenage girls and women in the early 2000s especially people that were dictating y2k aesthetic and were kind of the pinnacle of beauty and girlhood and consumerism and all of this really interesting stuff yeah they're 36 but they've lived about a hundred lives truly like who just picks up competitive horse racing in their 30s (laughs) it's so random yeah but it goes very well with the whole I don't know like the airmit just the just the high fashion thing and having a house in the Hamptons I feel like they come with a horse you know (laughs) totally and like how pedestrian of me to call it horse racing I should have said like a competitive equestrian yeah it was probably show jumping actually um yes, yes, I, yes. I, I, I like don't want to give myself away as kind of a horse girl myself I uh <laughs> <laughs> but um probably uh it's show jumping but um that's neither here nor <laughs> <Yeah>. there <laughs> um yeah so uh, respect to the original girl bosses and I'm interested to check back in with them in another 36 years. Yeah, me too, (laughs) truly. If they ever came out with like a tell-all or a memoir, I'd be the first person to buy it. I know. I think we all would, but there's certain people. So there's people like Brittany where I think I could see a tell-all interview um, happening. I could see a memoir happening. These two, I think it's just in the vault. Same. It's like that with me and like Taylor Swift, Mary Kate and Ashley, where it's like, yes, where it's like maybe Amanda and Brittany do some type of interview or book or something. But there are some people that I think never will. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Taylor, (laughs) I I think that she will release her final album and then you'll line them all up and it'll spell something backwards. And then that'll begin the process of her, like finally telling her truth. <laughs> like it's all been building up. Classic. <laughs> That's what I think is going to happen. <laughs> I love that theory. Tori, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thanks for having me. This was, thanks for indulging me. <laughs> like, are you, in this are you kidding? Thanks for like, <laughs> Being my friend who I somehow met in the TikTok <laughs> comments. Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, tell everyone where they can find you. Yes, you can find me on socials at RTBP Podcast. And then you can find Ready to Be Petty on all podcast platforms. Okay, amazing. And all that will be in the episode description. So thanks so much, Tori. And I'll talk to you soon. Au revoir, mes amours.